Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hope This Helps to all the fellow helpies out there. EHLO to everybody, and IT, sysadmin, whatever we feel like it is podcast. I am Steve. And I am Tiffany. We are all very glad to have you along once again on this July 2nd of 2020. It has been a little while, but we are back, and man, do we have a lot of a lot of stuff to catch up on talk about and yeah no we will ramble away and you will have to listen to us talk a lot about nothing and everything all at one time in the time that we have been away um wwdc at apple has happened and we just want to talk about also random topics that aren't really newsy or just whatever anything we just kind of feel like talking about tonight i think without further ado we should just start going right down the list and see where we can go let's do it let's do it WWDC happened in June. It is July. It is no longer June. And I do like to take pride in saying that Hope This Helps will be compatible with Apple Silicon on day one. Yes. Because we're a podcast and we'll just work because podcasts don't need to change computer architectures of any kind because it's just audio. Right. We do not discriminate. We do not care. Nope. Not not at all. Hope This Helps just works. Unlike a lot of other things, we just make sure it works all the time because we care yep, a lot. Because we care. I I mean, speak for yourself. I can't promise that I care. I care sometimes about certain things. This podcast is one of them, but there's a lot of things yes. I don't care about. That is true. Like most things, like Monday through Fridays, eight to five jobs, you know, normal things. In um, at least in Animal Crossing, a game where if you don't have a set schedule or you don't have much of anything to do other than just live life, you can purchase servers in Animal Crossing. That is just bananas at this point. Yeah, so at Nook's Cranny, when you upgrade it the first time, you can buy a $100,000 or one, or sorry, the currency in Animal Crossing is bells. You can buy a fully loaded server rack for 100,000 bells. What I thought was really funny about that is, is that, isn't that kind of like accurate if you were to like, you know, buy like a, I don't know, 3550U rack and you were loading it with servers and sands and networking equipment or whatever it was, couldn't you in theory rack up a bill of about a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars? Pretty easily. I'm just curious as to whose idea it was when they're sitting there at Nintendo and they're like, hmm, let's add the ability to add data centers into the game i think that is awesome because that's like it's realistic and so i did so naturally i did purchase it in the game and i put it in my house and the thing is loud it beeps it's and i'm like wow i I need i need a dedicated room for this i should almost like have a server room so it's accurate as well oh wow so so it's allowing us of those of us who are sysadmins to simulate the experience that we're missing while being out of the office. That's amazing. And you can make your own cloud, your own private cloud. Yes. Actually, my town in Animal Crossing is called the cloud. And I actually imported a lot of the Microsoft 365 icons to as custom designs in the game. And I sprayed them all over the ground in my town. And I'm spelling words out of the Microsoft icons and I'm just making it really truly feel like the cloud. When you walk in, you get a whole bunch of just iconography and along with just wow. other other things. It's like you're does actually... It rain? Does it... <laughs> it does rain in the cloud, yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the cloud, um, so this week I actually passed the AZ-900 exam. I am AZ-900 certified for whatever that means. Woo-hoo. Hooray! That exam is 
actually really, really easy. And Microsoft actually seems to be really gung-ho about people just taking it and getting certified at least to the base level of Azure. I'd classify the exam probably more as a advertisement, if anything, because I'm not kidding when I say this. You, you, you need to be like dead to fail this exam. It is pretty basic. I mean... So I would pass it just by sitting there because I'm pretty basic all of the time. Yeah, I I would say the prep <laughs> the the preparation to take the exam was actually harder than the exam itself because when you get checked in, you have the proctor, you have to take a picture of the front of you, or they call the front of your desk, the back of your desk, your left the left of you, and the right of you. So naturally, what I do is I actually took a folding lawn chair and I brought it into a room without any screens or largely anything around because Microsoft to- told me in advance, they said you need to have a relatively clean, tidy area for taking the test or you risk being failed right on the spot. So I did that. I made sure I was in a moderately clean and empty room. I sit down and during the test, it starts out with, please put your phone away, take any smartwatches off, just prepare yourself for the test. The next screen says, now get out your phone and take a picture of the front of your desk, the back of your desk, the left of you and the right of you. I was like, all right. So I stowed away my phone, not to get up and get my phone. And now I got to take the picture of my not desk in front of me because I just have a chair. So what I decided to do is I was like, well, there's no desk in front of me. I'm just going to take a picture of my legs in the chair and just say, this is my not desk. And then I took a picture of the wall behind the chair and then the left and the right. And then then you, they make you take a picture of your driver's license. So at this point, I had put away my phone thinking that it was all over. But it was like, nope, you got to take, got to get your driver's license out, which was in another room because I wasn't expecting to have my wallet with me. And at this point, I don't have the phone. So I grabbed the whole laptop that I have and I, I turn it 180 degrees and I turn on the webcam because it lets you do that. So I'm trying to awkwardly hold up the laptop with my driver's license and get it lit and in the frame and take a picture of the front and back of the driver's license. Wow. That whole ordeal, I swear, was harder than the actual exam. I go through the exam. I've done it in about 20 minutes. Passed it 760 out of 700 points. Woohoo. I'm just amused that you got 760 points out of 700 points. Yeah. Well, it wasn't 700 possible points. The, the threshold to pass was 700. Okay. I, oh, I, I get it now. I have a feel. I have a feeling. I think the pos the maximum amount of points might have been 800 or 850 or 900. One of those. But I got 760, so I had points to spare. Not only did I pass. That it, makes sense. But the questions are pretty simple. Um, if anyone's taking it, it's just. More, just make sure you have a good grasp on the core concept of Azure, um, the financial aspects of it, like CapEx versus OpEx, availability zones versus availability sets, and kind of that down-to-earth kind of stuff. If you just do the basic studying and follow that path, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be golden for this exam. And Microsoft's offering a lot of discounts, vouchers. It just depends on where you look and who you know, and you can, you can probably get access to this exam fairly easily. Taking it remote is not really a problem. Yay. Congratulations on passing. That's really exciting. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's Yay. fun. I'm going to be taking a much harder exam maybe in a month or so when I catch my breath on just passing this one. Uh, I'll, be right. taking, I'll be taking the AZ-104, which is actually quite difficult. I took AZ-103 at Ignite just, just on a whim, and that was a difficult exam. That has labs. It has a lot more questions. It's That's like the real meat and potatoes exam. Well... Yay. Certifications. I still need to get on that, but that's okay. They're just really expensive, especially when you don't want to dish it out yourself. But I understand the value in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm taking it because through my work, I'm just getting the free vouchers. So yeah. use it or lose it. 
Have you ever tried saving a Word or Excel or PowerPoint file when it's saved to Microsoft 365 and SharePoint or whatever, and you try to let it autosave, and it just kind of sits there for 20 minutes saying it's saving, but the second you click the save button, it immediately commits the save and is all done? Yes. Have you ever experienced this? It's kind of weird. I'm like, why is there a huge time difference between the two of these? Like, you think it would be immediate, and it impacts the ability to close the the file faster too because say i have three excel spreadsheets open and i'm just working away i'm making small edits in all three and i let it just do the auto save to saving 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 and i'm like okay cool this should be done soon right i go to close it and it goes no you can't you can't close this yet it's not done uploading through the office document sharepoint uploader thing but if you click save and let it finish it takes about maybe a quarter of the time so that's my that's my pet peeve of the week. I don't know why auto saving is so much slower than actual saving in Office documents when they're saved to to O365 or OneDrive or whatever. That is very true. I do notice that a lot. So a lot of times I don't feel secure using the auto save feature and I'll just save it manually because I don't trust it. I have trust issues. What can I say? When you lose docu when you've lost documents in the past, you don't want to repeat the past. I've lost a lot of documents to the Microsoft Office document uploader myself ah. where I just told you there was a conflict and it just ends up in nowhere land for some reason, which is really right. miserable. And it doesn't tell you what the conflict is? No, it just tells you, hey, this there's two versions of this document. Figure it out. Right. You've done this thing, so do this thing. Oh, so on the topic of just off uh, M365 and the whole the whole suite so one of the things i've been noticing recently and having issues with is the tpm will all of a sudden say it's corrupt and suddenly it will stop allowing you to utilize office the fix for that is resetting the tpm and in some cases creating a new windows profile because either a motherboard was replaced or the image just didn't go over correctly um but it's become definitely a pain point luckily i do have a pretty quick fix and i can add it to the notes that is wow yeah that's that's awful so is that like if you have bitlocker with the keys in azure is that through the iam so it is sort of um or are you just using mbam we're not even using any of that but for some reason we are running into difficulties with with the TPM and so forth. And it's on the local Windows machine itself and not so much anything to do with Azure or anything like that or BitLocker. Most of the machines that we're running into this with haven't even, don't have BitLocker on them. Oh, so it's probably just, it could be just like the TPM module, the, the Intel. Yeah, it's, it's the actual. And from what I understand and what I was reading, it's very common in the Dell Latitudes, which is exactly what these machines are, so. Yeah, and um, yeah, TPM. That's probably the that's like the secure. That's like Intel's version of Apple's secure enclave. And yeah, it's possible maybe that's just failing or just resets at the worst time. And Windows often relies on that for some things. And if that breaks, that sucks. Yes, it does suck. I was just jotting down a note to put the note in the notes. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, put the note in the notes. Speaking of what sucks, I was gonna talk about uh, Microsoft stores and. Um, the lack of them from forever 
from here on out. I'm honestly a little sad about it. I'm also a little sad. So I've been to a Microsoft store once. I've been to one in the Boston and the Boston location. I forget where exactly now. I'm blanking on it. But I was there once. It was okay. It was, imagine an Apple store, but with Microsoft stuff. What I'm more mourning about this piece of news is more you won't be able to get like physical hands-on support for Microsoft devices like the Surface anymore with the closure of these stores. Now you will have to deal with shipping it and shipping stuff, especially when it's like shipping your whole computer out for repairs is just miserable because you have no guarantee it will come back to you. It could get lost in the mail and the overall time to resolution is lower. That's honestly pretty sad because I've used the Microsoft Store to replace my Surface because I had gotten it and then a month later the screen was just effective. It just stopped working. So it was really awesome to just be able to walk into the store and show them and they knew exactly what it was. It was almost like being in the Apple Store. I I spent many years of my life working at the Apple Store so it was like this feels very familiar. Yeah, and it just feels good to get something fixed the same day and, you know, mm-hmm. physically right there with someone who's knowledgeable. So I had a similar experience, except I didn't involve a Microsoft store, but I could have. It was when my, my Surface's type cover started acting up and, like, all the keys started flaking out, like, the volume key, the volume up key was being held down. I think something got under under a key or got into the board and shorted it out or whatever, but the type cover was screwed up. And I need to get it replaced. It was under warranty. So I go through the phone and they gave me two options. And I, I legendarily picked the, the wrong one where it was saying, there's a Microsoft store about maybe an 45 minutes to an hour away from you. You can drive out with that and get it fixed whenever you want. Or you can ship out your defective type cover with a box that will send you and then we'll ship you a replacement. And I famously said, no, I'm too lazy to drive. Just ship me the box. I'll ship the type cover out and I will get it back eventually. And that took about three to four weeks. And man, if I if I could go back in time and save myself some time, I would have said, no, I'm just going to hop in the car and drive to the Microsoft store and get it fixed the same day. But nope. And guess what? You can't do that anymore because the stores are gone. That's just so sad. It really is. I mean, it's I wish they had put a little bit more faith into it. I mean, I do understand it was probably seen as just kind of copying Apple, but they could have worked on it. And there were definitely good points about it with, you know, the the in-house concierge support or whatever kind of like genius bar-esque it was just a lot of overhead so i understand why they would want to get rid of it like like a lot of things microsoft will go very hard in one direction and then suddenly just just drop it one day and oh you mean like mixer oh mixer oh oh you just reminded me that whole that <laughs> i know thing. i forgot all about mixer until you said they go full force into something they made a 30 million dollar contract with ninja and then we're like, nah, we're not going to stay in this business. I am I am flabbergasted by this decision. Mixer was like good, healthy competition to Twitch, and it was built into Xbox, and it could have been a wonderful platform for like Office, Microsoft 365, any, you know, it could have been the big thing. You could have gotten the user base. I know, I understand that like it was, it wasn't really super adopted, but God, don't hand it to Facebook. Don't hand it to... Seriously. Wow. Like awful, awful decisions. Especially when the first place Microsoft goes to to say like, hey, don't do this because Facebook is doing it is Facebook. And it's it's just, it it's inconsistent with their past decisions too. Like 
Microsoft has stated, like, you know, remember their big Scroogled marketing campaign, which was complaining about Google's privacy issues and how Microsoft would never do such a thing. And they were championing privacy, privacy, privacy. And now they're just handing their streaming platform to Facebook, which will just gobble it all up for whatever evil intention that they will do with it. And that just drives me nuts. It's like, no, you just keep going with Mixer. You have you have the financial capital to keep it going and make it good. Just put effort into it. It's Twitch needs competition. Facebook restarting your streaming initiatives with Facebook is, in my eyes, really just the wrong decision to make. That's my thoughts on it. I just really wish they wouldn't have just axed it. Man, this is funny how, yeah, like you said, Ninja and all those other streamers that Microsoft stole away from Twitch with the exclusivity contracts for like $30 million. They turned around and they said, no, we won't renew with Facebook. We're just going to figure it out ourselves and go our own way. I bet you they're probably going back to Twitch at this point. So they probably made off like bandits, but man. Oh yeah. I think that Ninja, I think I read that he got like 10 million extra just from like disbanding the contract. Yes, probably because it was probably technically a breach like of contract. Like a bonus. Yeah, bonus and breach of contract on Microsoft's end. So whatever whatever legal mumbo jumbo was was going on there, he he made out very well. And Amazon is high fiving each other because because Twitch basically won won that war. Right. Oh, I just I can't get over it. I'm just not over it yet. Yeah, Mixer and Microsoft stores rest in peace. June of 2020. R.I.P. R.I.P. Press F to pay respects. Follow up to um, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was the last episode, I don't remember, where we were talking about facial recognition and that kind of surveillance. So the city of Boston has banned government use of face surveillance. Small small victories here and there, like how um, Amazon was going to prohibit law enforcement from using the technology and IBM completely getting out of the business. Now we have boston the city of boston just banning government use of it i am really excited about that because you don't know how so when i went to new orleans like a month ago they use facial recognition in the cameras around the city they have cameras set up and what they do is they use those cameras to basically target people i get that so my friend was telling me that she feels safe and she'll park next to them and i was like that's great and all but imagine living in those neighborhoods where those cameras are set up and those same people are watching people i'm like i'm mad like i don't want to be that person not yeah the privacy concerns you could you could write a book with just how unethically that could be utilized and you know and false positives and and all the like so like i appreciate like the development of technology but some some things you gotta you gotta balance the ethics with it and it it is clear that um, facial recognition is just not it's not in a good place mostly just due to how irresponsibly it can be handled and how it has been handled. It's time to put some uh, guardrails around that at this point. Right. And it goes down to governance of anything and how much freedom you give people and so forth. And it's just basically saying we don't trust our people. We don't trust what they're going to do. And then we know that bad actors use this data for bad things. Yeah, like... Like a lot of technology and good ideas, you know, if if govern if it can't be governed, or if if you can't get your governance in, it's it's unfortunately it can't it may not be viable. Very true. Very true. Anyways, uh, so tell me what's going on with the OAuth OAuth stuff. Oh yes, IMAP, POP, and SMTP are now going to be able to support OAuth. Um, earlier this year, Microsoft announced the deprecation of basic authentication that was supposed to be October 2020 and is now next year sometime. I've heard spring, summer, whenever. It'll probably be sometime earlier than later. 
However, they promised us that you would be able to use IMAP POP or an SMTP using these new modern authentication methods, and they delivered a lot faster than I honestly thought they were going to. So I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I have not played around with it at all because I don't use POP or IMAP. I use SMTP, but that's really mostly on-prem due to the limitations of SMTP in, a, in M365. But it's pretty exciting because this was something that a lot of folks were very nervous about of how how do I get my users or my service accounts that are utilizing IMAP and POP and SMTP protocols? How, how do I get this off? How do I get off of basic authentication? And Microsoft is like, well, okay, we're going to get there. Don't worry. It's just going to take some time. And here we are. It's barely summer and they have released it. I know this is February, but this was pretty new as far as like that it's actually here now. So yay. We can move on to Intune and Exchange and on-premises and all that good stuff. Yeah, so changes to the Intune on-premises connector. They are deprecating it, and that's sad. Lovely. So Exchange on-prem to Intune. So I guess that makes sense, right? Because if, I mean, it sucks if you're, well, okay, let's, let's think about this logistically. Intune is a cloud service. Exchange right. on-premise is on-premise. Right. Microsoft doesn't really want you to mix the two in that way when you have Azure IAM and Exchange Online and Microsoft 365 when a lot of these services probably come with Intune and Microsoft Endpoint Manager at this point, right? That is a fact. So at first you kind of get mad and you're like, oh no, this is awful. And then you kind of think it through. You're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I kind of I get the train of thought here. Well, it makes sense because a lot of the services that are being offered or products that are being offered in the M365 world are are advertised as cloud-only solutions. And I understand that Microsoft sees the need to still cater to the premise environment because there are a lot of scenarios in which the full cloud world just doesn't work. But at the same time, Intune is a cloud-only application that happens to support some on-prem. Precisely. Why would you need a connector for that at this point? Right. When you you would likely be using SCCM if you were on-premise or another device management solution. My knowledge of Intune is very limited. I can get around it, but it's not my expertise by any means. If I remember correctly, recent updates to SCCM brought the ecosystem of Intune into it, so it merged it. And with Microsoft Endpoint Manager, which is kind of the new encompassing name for these two products, SCCM is sort of your on-premise side and Intune is the cloud side, but they're both merging together nowadays. Right. They're now when to become one. They're kind of like a Spice Girls song. When to become one. When to become one. So Slack. 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 My, my favorite not Teams thing. Because it's so light. It's so lightweight. It's light. It's great. It It's faster. It's less laggy than Teams. It's free. They're gunning for Microsoft. They sure are. They are partnering with Amazon, or Amazon is partnering with them. I don't know. Amazon's the big, the big cheese these days, so uh, I'm not sure how that goes. I guess Amazon's like the daddy. There's some submiss- submissive stuff going on here. Yes, there is some. There is definitely a hierarchy and a uh, and a chain of command for Slack and Amazon. You might say Amazon does not have really much. So Amazon's got. AWS, right? That's like their, you know, their version of the cloud, their version of Azure. They 
host stuff. They do all kinds of stuff in order to get an equivalent product to compete with Teams and I assume, you know, what, Zoom or whatever. Um, what better product, which is already partially using the Amazon backend, I believe, than Slack to gobble up and use for whatever they wish? It's very true. And I bet that Amazon will probably acquire Slack as sort of their Azure Teams competitor. From what I've read about Slack is that they've been struggling for some time now to try to find their their place in the world. I mean, they're good with they're good with work chat, but also, you know, Basecamp's also good with that. And Basecamp has been a little bit more in the spotlight lately for other reasons, which we'll we'll get to it a little bit. But um, but Slack, you know, Slack's a good chat and workspace collaboration thing. But they need to they need to just kind of hop on to some some larger company and maybe take take it take the show on the road, you know. Yep, hit the road, Jack. So printing issues. We're gonna just move along here because we have a lot of topics. Yeah, absolutely. So this one, um, so this is this is a little bit of a casualty of we're getting our episode out now. So this was a KB for Patch Tuesday in June, um, for Windows 10, Windows Server, uh, yada yada yada. Uh, this is KB four five six zero nine six zero, and it was causing printing issues upon first release. It was causing problems with the print spool. Certain printers may fail to print. The print spooler may throw an error or close unexpectedly. Probably fairly low impact if most people were working from a home and had a home printer. I'd assume if they weren't patching regularly or were off of. Uh, WSUS, but if it was pushed out through Microsoft Update, they might have been SOL. At the same time, I don't really see why folks would really necessarily need to print when working from home if you're going to be sharing documents digitally, unless you just like the traditional reading from paper kind of stuff. But the issue is resolved as of KB4567512, which fixes the problem. At the moment, unless this unless my note is out of date, it's currently only available via the Microsoft Update catalog, which means you can download it manually and patch your own system, or you can import it into WSUS and push it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, about I don't know that. who's going to be printing right now. Maybe maybe soon. Maybe not. Soon, I don't know. Soon ish and then the next patch Tuesday is in about a week and a half, so maybe this maybe this this KB fix will just be included in this month's this July's patch rollout. We'll see. Speaking of patches, I just need to talk about this because it's very disturbing. The whole TikTok thing. Oh, God. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's talk about that. I, I noticed, like, uh, it's just so disturbing. I, I was reading this other article and how research was done and they found 53 other apps that also could possibly be using the clipboard. Yes. Um, there's so TikTok was only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, a lot of a lot of apps snoop on what data is in the clipboard, which when you think about it, only gets worse if you have more clipboard expandability. Like, for example, Apple's shared clipboard between macOS and iOS is kind of scary. If apps are just kind of digging in on that, you could think of all kinds of exploits transferring between the two machines. Microsoft has its clipboard as well, which can, which does have an option of doing account-based clipboard sharing between devices as well. But wow, that is nasty. And for those of you that don't know that TikTok is used by a lot of kids like teenagers younger people people who may not be tech savvy so they're just probably copying and pasting their passwords all over the place or their nude photos and tiktok knows 
Yeah, TikTok is shocking in terms of how unapologetically blatant it is with violating human decencies in terms of privacy. It used to be called Musical.ly, now it's called TikTok, and it's basically the modern day replacement for Snapchat or whatever. All the, all the kids use it and stuff. It's basically kind of YouTube for the phone, vertical video. Ugh. Honestly, so there was an article that came out. I will link it in the show notes, and I'm just taking this from memory just because I don't have it in front of me. But um, a someone had reverse engineered the app, and it was unbelievable what they found in terms of it is basically logging anything that could possibly be logged when you when you first launch the app it takes inventory of the phone the networks ip addresses literally anything that is available as data it will it will grab and it's apparently something that not even facebook does to this extent so it's it's basically malware disguised as a fun funny video music app and it's something that i think everyone should basically almost immediately stop using to be honest this is this is something that probably requires action greater than the purview of just it and common sense this is something where like government should be considering banning this app which um india actually just did recently i saw that i was very impressed that india took such a aggressive stance on it yeah i'm not super big on tiktok people tiktok stars tiktokers but I guess there was an incident with with um, an Indian TikToker where so- something happened with either the App Store and ratings, and it was basically just kind of a, a tit for tat, and it apparently escalated to the point where the whole you know the whole country banned the app. That is something that one person was able to have that happen. I mean, I understand why India would want to ban it. It should be banned. I mean, I immediately contacted my CISO and was like, hey, do we mobile, are we doing mobile device management? Like, what are we doing? Because if you are working in a, in a company that's not managing devices or doesn't have, doesn't have MFA or any other protection on passwords or anything like that all these apps are just snooping away yes you are precisely right yeah so to tie this back to more of the sysadmin angle yes so if you can imagine you have byod you have devices coming in on your network and they are using tiktok when you you understand when they are launching that app they are sniff they are effectively sniffing whatever they can about your network this could be limited or this could be as expansive as it might be reaching out to god knows what if you have open shares if you have unsecured printers smbv1 you have wi-fi or sha1 encryption or i don't you know just the more you think about it the more your your hair kind of starts to stand up this is something that you really really want to watch out for if you are infosec or whatever you might want to consider blocking this app if you have mdm you might want to consider blacklisting this app this is something that could unexpectedly infiltrate your network and mobile and tablety devices they tend to go unmanaged in a lot of places which can be rather scary because a phone is still an endpoint, especially in this day and age where you have a phone that can be more powerful than a laptop i do wonder how this will change the future of byod um just because if i have control over downloading whatever i want and the whole idea of containerizing work applications and the work data because that's so obnoxious if i'm on my phone and then it's all containerized and it, it goes down to the whole MDM versus MAM and full device policies and all that stuff. All kinds of things to think about with TikTok and your your enterprise environment, and especially with the recent uh, security eye-opening findings that have been coming out with en- with engineers. At this point, just throw your phone in the lake. The water is the only way that cleanses everything. <laughs> That's so true. It's cleansing. 
Cleansing. Cleansing. Mm. I've been staring at this. I just need to interrupt because I've been staring at this next segment trying to figure it out and it just clicked to me. Did you just get it? I, I just got it. I can show it in the world. <laughs> Yeah, so while we're on the topic of security and just things wide open on the net on networks and the internet, let's talk about Shodan because Shodan is is awesome and it is scary. It is horrifyingly awesome and horrifyingly scary. Um, so Shodan is a service. It calls itself the Internet Search Engine, and it, I couldn't I couldn't come up with a more accurate title than that, to be quite honest. So what is it? It is, in very simple layman's terms, it is a query engine that looks for open devices, networks, IPs, anything broadcast in the network. It'll try to just seek out and just report on or find or just give you information. It is kind of just meant to scope out what is out on the Internet what is unsecure what i don't know i'm out of i'm out of words other than that just it's one of those things where like if you just run a query in shodan and you just see what you get back it'll it'll just click to you um personally what i've been using it for is i will actually check on my own ip addresses for either my house or places i have uh control over and i will try to find like open holes in the network or possible attack vectors and it is a really, really useful tool. There's Shodan Monitor, which will give you alerts on if it finds things like expired SSL certificates or just open port servers, Minecraft servers, webcams, gas station signs, stuff, crazy stuff like that. You can also query for things that have default passwords or unconfigured or exposed login information, whether it be in like headers or config files that are exposed to the internet, all kinds of stuff. But this server, the service is amazing. There's a lot of articles and GitHub pages that contain awesome prefab queries you can input into Shodan. Um, at one point, they offered a lifetime membership for a dollar. That was about a year and some change ago. It was widely posted on the sysadmin subreddit. Who knows if it'll ever come back again? That was when I jumped on board. I had been using it before that. The free version of Shodan, I think, limits you to X amount of queries a day, I think. Honestly, the, the membership price is is worth it, especially if you can get on one of their one of their deals or sales. Is this how you just were able to hunt down your minecraft server incident no the minecraft server uh so the minecraft server incident i had i personally had was more of just a i put more i put too much trust in the internet long story short a couple of couple of chuckleheads jumped onto a minecraft server that i had set up at home and they completely trashed it vandalized it posted a lot of just really just disgusting messages to it you know imagine zoom bombing it was basically just the same thing the part that's really disgusting about it is like a lot of children use minecraft to play around and how many parents don't know about security and all this stuff? Right. Well, to set up a Minecraft server, particularly the Java edition, it's not the hardest thing in the world. And if you're a kid, I'm sure you can figure it out. But it, it's not super. It's not like literally one click to start it. At least not at first. With Shodan, you can you can query expose Minecraft servers, and if they have no whitelisting or no configuration to just block public entry, someone can just come in and just wreck it. You know, like anything else that's unsecured. Unfortunately, with the internet, you can't trust anybody, and you got to lock that down. Put it behind a VPN or provide whitelisting. Do whatever you can. It's so sad that you have to do that. Yep. Well, it is what it is. Welcome to 2020, where the internet is just a dangerous place. <laughs> where the points don't matter. Mm -hmm. So you can find links in the show notes on a couple of things, such as uh, the previous sysadmin thread, which kind of sounded the alarm on the $1 membership for Shodan. Um, and I also have, a, there's a GitHub page up for awesome Shodan queries. 
really fun things like either exposed webcams, Minecraft servers, gas station pumps, you know, you name it. There's tons of things you could find. You can also experiment yourself. There's crowdsourced queries that they save on the site. That's pretty cool. I feel like I need to spend many hours stocking things. I don't yeah. do that. I'm a good <laughs> person. Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty fun. I use it more from the from the infosec angle. Just one. Yeah. You know, it, it helps you just get a general idea of what's out there, and if you're just in general curious, it's fun. Now that I now that TikTok is really just a virus, I'm like I need something else to do. Watching uh, people do really weird and dumb things. So this might be the way to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 no shortage of that on the internet. So there's other places yeah. that are that that won't try to suck up your entire network like a vacuum. No, one of the nice things about TikTok though was the the quick videos because I have a short attention span. I do remember when TikTok, well, back when TikTok was called Musically, I do remember going into it a couple times, and back then it was more about kind of just syncing videos to music. But I just remember there, there there's some genuinely funny stuff on that. You know, all you know, removed from all the all the technical complaints I have about it. There were some genuinely funny videos that kind of harken back to the really early days of like YouTube and really short videos. Yes, and Vine. And Vine. It was kind of this, it, it gave me a lot of like vibes of Vine, which I wish is still around. Yes. And honestly, the other day I I decided to go down the path of 2009 YouTube and watch like all my old favorite YouTube videos. So like just random stuff. And I was like, wow, the quality was terrible. The quality was awful. The quality was awful, but there was a certain charm to it. It was. And I mean, I watched all the videos and I was just like, oh, this is what normal people's houses look like. Because now you're on TikTok and you're like, all these people have like these beautiful houses and so forth. And they're like spotless. But then in like the 2009, like even earlier than that, 2008, 2009 area of, of YouTube, it's like people are normal. They have messy houses, like their bedrooms are weird. I'm just like, this is this is what it was like. The world wasn't perfect. <laughs> like it wasn't in 4K HD vertical video. Well, vertical video. Right. Vertical video. I'd article I'd argue that vertical video is like one of the worst things to happen to video since like Ugh. TikTok itself, to be quite honest. But it's so horrible. Along with the fact that like nobody's house and a real person's house doesn't look like that. Hashtag end rant. End rant. So let's talk about a, an arm and a leg Ugh. or Apple Hills to die on. WWDC happened last month. Do we really honestly care that much? No. Not not especially. Um, I did watch it. It was something to watch during the day. Interesting having it just be a prefab video. They're moving away from Intel, I guess, and Mac OS is getting weird. It's becoming like iOS. It was it was funny because I was like watching the whole presentation. It was my my whole kind of reaction was sort of just I don't care. I was like they're they're they've clearly moved in a direction I'm just no longer really that interested in. It's not even like in anger or spite or like. I hate Apple because hating Apple is cool. It's just like, I'm like, I don't really care for what you guys are doing. I just think it's weird. And it's like, you're going, you're clearly going a direction I, I'm not super interested in. I think the merger of iOS and macOS co- continues to be botched. It's clear that they want to make a single unified OS for what is eventually going to be a touchscreen based MacBook iPad hybrid, but they're too gun shy to actually just come out and say that because of comments Steve Jobs made in 2010 about that being stupid. And for some reason, just pride and hubris just prevents them from doing the obvious they continue to just do this awkward one foot in one bucket one foot in the other but they're kind of tipping the buckets into each other so it occasionally spills into one another but it's not fully 
committed. That's that's probably the best way I can describe it. Yeah, well, the bucket has a hole in it, so they should probably just, uh, you know, tell everybody what their plans are. Out of this conference, they came out with a couple things for sysadmins in particular. And this is one that will pertain to us that particularly plagues us with users and tickets and lockouts. So iOS mail and exchange password changes will be supported and proper. And instead of, you know, when you change your password in AD, Azure IAM, Exchange, and previously your phone would endlessly prompt you for an updated username and password, which confused a lot of end users because they weren't quite sure why this would come up. Now, I guess there is better robust support in iOS mail, at least. I'm not sure if it's in macOS, but I'd assume if they're merging the two or at least trying to communicate with both development teams, they'd have this feature in Mac mail as well fairly soon. That'd be really nice. And I know that in earlier revisions of the iOS mail, it didn't even support modern authentication. I do believe in iOS 14, it does. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that I personally ran into was the not being able to support it, um, which is like, really? Seriously? Are you kidding? Um, I think Modern Auth might have been added a couple of iOS versions ago, actually. But It's the... very, it's pretty recent. It's not like it was something that was baked in as soon as they could. It took some time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the big things they are adding in is um, um, Azure Active Directory. Uh, support for MacBooks as well. So they're making it more so if you have your IAM solution and you have a MacBook and you want a good out-of-the-box experience, you can sign in with Azure Active Directory as your main account on a MacBook, which is nice. That is nice. That That's one of the, the features I've been waiting for for a really long time. Just a small little tidbit. At a minute and 32 of the video where they are announcing all these features for Mac endpoints, the guy like horribly mispronounces the word Azure. And then at 16 minutes and 25 seconds, he redeems himself and by correctly pronouncing it. I'm just like, I don't understand how hard it is to pronounce Azure. I've heard so many strange no. mispronunciations of Azure. Do you think somebody like in his earpiece was say, like yelling at him like, it's Azure, it's Azure, not Azure. I, I bet that was the case. I, th I forget what he called it, called like Az Azure. Or Azure, Az Azure. Um, people for a long time were calling it like Azure. And it's like phonetically in the alphabet, this does not make sense. The way, the particular way he mispronounced it was actually a, a way I'd never heard before. Hmm. So he like made it up. I think he called it a Zare or something. It, it had to have been a flub. I think maybe he was just reading off a card and maybe he just got his word screwed up or something yeah. like that. There's so many ads for Azure and all this stuff. And I'm people throw that term around. It's pretty clear what the, how to say it is. So getting back to Basecamp. So remember Basecamp from before? sort of wannabe slack teams competitor kind of sorta but it's cartoony and it looks like it's made for children is it i've never used Basecamp. i don't even know what it looks like to be honest it's like it kind of looks like trello but it has the ability to do stuff inside of it it's it's trying to be a lot yeah it's yeah it's just like every other chat app that's a kitchen sink it probably just wants to do it all and it's like Slack, it's being used for a lot of orgs for whatever you you name it, the the usual stuff. So they have a they have a new email service called Hey rolling out, and man, they had a heck of a time trying to get it into the App Store with App Apple kind of just being jerks about it from start to finish with the thirty percent cut argument coming in and in app purchases and being inconsistent and rejecting the app, yet allowing other apps with the exact same functionality to stay in, and then it's brought up a whole 
can of worms about Apple being anti-competitive and hey, look at that. There's a bunch of um, governmental entities now looking into Apple's practices for this. And I think it's been a long time coming, to be honest. Personally, I am on Basecamp side of things. I think Apple has been allowed to get away with murder for far too long in this department. I think 30% cut is just too much. It should be cut down by half at least, if not more. And Microsoft themselves has been also kind of quietly piping up about this too, where I found a little article about this where Microsoft's concerns with Apple's App Store are clear. The software maker, like other developers on Apple's platform, must give Apple a 15 to 30% cut of any subscription to software such as Microsoft Office or their email program, Microsoft Outlook. Microsoft can't point customers to sign up on its website either, as that would circumvent the Apple fee. Beyond productivity software, Apple's App Store rules have prevented Microsoft, among others, from launching new and popular cloud gaming services on the iPhone and iPad. So Microsoft also has a beef with this. Not It's not just Basecamp. It's not just, hey, it's, it's a greater problem that needs to be addressed. It's something, you know, with, I'm going, I'm not a lawyer, but um, the Sherman Antitrust Law usually kicks in if a company has a certain amount of market share and they are performing actions that would be considered anti-competitive behavior. Microsoft was hit by this in the 90s when they had a near total domination of Windows, you know, in the um, computing space. So different time, different era, Internet Explorer being bundled to Windows 95, 98. We're in a couple of new decades. Some circumstances are different. I would argue that Apple bundles Safari into iOS and forces it as the default and is doing some of the very same things that got Microsoft in trouble way back in the day. But I guess there's other reasons why they haven't been nailed just as hard as Microsoft was for such things. But it seems Apple is getting hit for other things such as the App Store 30% cut and the App Store being the only avenue to getting apps on the platform if you're not willing to just use websites or whatever. It's finally getting looked at long and hard, and it is what it is. The last thing I want to talk about Apple is just a catalyst, and iOS and macOS compatibility still seems kind of incoherent to me, and eh, it is what it is. It's, you know, the same complaints apply to merging iOS and macOS in general. I see they, they're trying to do something. It just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. It just seems silly. They should just merge the two platforms, honestly. Yes, they really should at this point. Why, why not? We are nearing the end, but we want to bring out one new, one new segment. This is That Is Accurate. This is a segment where we discuss things that are accurate. In this week's That Is Accurate, Git was invented by Linus Torvalds in 2005. That is, I think, accurate. That is accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I trust you, but I kind of don't. You, you should, because I, I looked it up. Because I, I, was, I was personally interested in where the origin of Git was, and turns out uh... Li- Linus Torvalds couldn't stand existing solutions, so he came up with a, with a new one called the Git Protocol, and then that ballooned out, and then GitHub became a website to encompass that and host projects and the like, and that was the birth of Git. Interesting. My dad's name is Linus. No joke. I don't know anybody named Linus. I, the only one I know is the one in Charlie Brown and Linus Tor- Torvalds. Yeah, Linus Torvalds. Interesting. That is accurate. That is accurate. Oh, oh, here we go. No, hold on. Before you move on. Whoa. Torvald. I'm just reading Wikipedia now, and it's like Torvald sarcastically quit, uh, quipped about the name Git, which means unpleasant person in British slang. 
So it was it was it was created completely as a joke and out of spite. But hey, that's that ended up being the official name. That is awesome. That's good. Be careful what you joke about. It might become production. He described the tool as the stupid content tracker. That's what it should really be called. The stupid content tracker. S T C T. S T C T. Oh, you T T S C T. Wow, that's hard to say. It is. Anyways. The stupid content tracker. Woo, that is accurate. That is accurate. All right. The Stiffs asked the question of the week. So what is your favorite IT cameo in a TV show or movie? Oh, so I came up with one already. So in the new Space Force show on Netflix, they have laptops kind of sitting, what appears to be laptops or tablets sitting on a table, but it's actually surfaces flipped upside down with the back hinge flipped the other direction so they didn't have to pay royalty fees with the Microsoft logo or cover it up. Yeah, that makes sense. I believe it was iCarly. Is that where they used the pear instead of the apple? I believe so. Yeah, I think they, they did a riff on the i on the iBook, which they did. And that was my favorite. I think that's my favorite one to this day because I always thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. I was like commercials where it's like totally not a MacBook or it's like a 2007 MacBook Pro before they changed over to the unibody design. Those are always fun too. I love that. I I love that. But I'll just never forget like all the iCarly episodes when they're like trying to do the editing and stuff and it's just a pair. And Mm -hmm. I was like, whoever came up with that, that was genius. That was just incredible. So that is the question of the week. So if you have an answer, just we'll probably tweet it out because we normally do or Steve does. Um... We'll get it out somehow on the tweeters. We'll get it out somehow on the tweeters. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet. So that concludes this week's episode. You got to listen to us mumble along for an hour from us to you. We hope this helps. Uh, We are on, rate us on iTunes because it does matter at some point in time. We have a website, hghpc.com. Someday we'll add more content, but you can listen to us in the meantime. Please rate us, watch us, watch all our prior episodes, check us out on iTunes, give us a rating, and everything else we talk about, sysadmin things, IT things, we try to sound smart, we may or may not be. We don't really care. It's hope this helps. Hope this helps. So we hope to see y'all back hopefully next week or whenever we feel like recording another episode, and um, that's about it. We'll go from there. Hope this helps. Hope this helps.